This is I Am Change podcast. The IIC podcast hopes to inspire you to live more consciously and be the change the society needs. I'm your host, Koride Aziz. As human societies developed into civilizations, large numbers of people would live close to each other and to animals. Often, they lived with poor sanitation and nutrition, which provided the perfect breeding grounds for disease. Add new trading routes that reach different lands overseas, and you have the ideal equation to spread novel infections as far as they could go. This was how the first global pandemics were spread. What, did you think COVID-19 was the first pandemic? Nah. There have been several pandemics in the past. Some were so devastating, they nearly wiped out entire nations. Today on the podcast, we are concerned with how pandemics end. Specifically, how will the present COVID-19 pandemic end? Let us look back and see how some of the worst pandemics in history were finally brought to a halt. The plague of Justinian originated in Egypt. In 541 CE, not long after the Byzantines conquered the Egyptians, the fatal infection arrived in Constantinople, the capital of the Byzantine Empire. Egypt sent grain to Emperor Justinian as tribute, but what the emperor didn't know was that the grain came with rats that were infested with plague-ridden fleas. The plague obliterated Constantinople, but it didn't stop there. It spread across North Africa, Europe, Asia, and Arabia. By the time the infection was done, an estimated 30 to 50 million people were dead. At the time, this might have been about half of the world's population. How did this pandemic end? As you might expect, people were clueless about how to stop the spread, so all they could do was try to avoid sick people. It is believed majority of the population managed to survive somehow and develop immunity. The Black Death devastated Europe for four long years, starting in 1347. This was not a new disease, but the plague returned many centuries later. By the time it ended, 200 million people were killed. Even though people still didn't have enough knowledge to fight the infection, the practice of quarantine was invented. Sailors who arrived at the port city of Ragusa were prevented from leaving their ships for 30 days to prove they were not sick. Later, the time was increased to 40 days of forced isolation called Quarantino. It is believed this practice helped stop the spread of the virus. The Great Plague of London was again, guess, the same old plague returned. London was so tortured by the plague that there were 40 outbreaks in 300 years, from 1348 to 1665. The plague would resurface every 20 years or so, and with each new pandemic, a fifth of the population would be lost. England introduced laws to isolate the sick by the early 1500s. The last and one of the most devastating of the outbreaks was the Great Plague of 1665. 100,000 people died in seven months. How did this plague end? The infected were forced to stay home and the dead were buried in mass graves. 
Last, but certainly not least, smallpox had been around for centuries in Arabia, Europe, and Asia. It killed 30% of the people infected, but that was nearly nothing compared to the havoc it wreaked in the New World. When the European explorers first arrived at the New World, they carried the smallpox virus with them. The native populations of the Americas lost tens of millions of people. Within a century, 90-95% to of the population was wiped out. The population of Mexico went from 11 million to 1 million. Smallpox was finally ended centuries later by a vaccine, becoming the first virus epidemic to be ended this way. In 1980, the World Health Organization announced that the world had successfully eradicated smallpox. From experience, we know to quarantine and avoid contact with the sick. But what else do we have in our arsenal that might help us win this fight against COVID-19? For answers, I spoke with Dr. N.D. Esther A. Dr. Esther is a general practitioner at Golden Cross Infirmary, Lagos. There are tools that only exist in our time which would help to fight better than ever before, like the bioinformatics, genomics, supercomputing. Bioinformatics, genomics, supercomputing. These advanced systems will help us to develop drugs, diagnostic tools, and a vaccine as quickly as possible. Every day, the number of confirmed cases of persons with COVID-19 continues to rise in Nigeria and around the world. How fast does this virus spread? How much of the population might get infected? These questions led me to a concept called the basic reproduction number, or r not. Dr. Esther explains. The basic reproduction number is used to measure the transmission potential of an infectious disease. This shows us how many people will become sick when in close contact with this infected person. So when, when, when a aeronaut's basic reproduction number is said to be greater than one in any infection, the number of people being infected is likely to increase, just like in the case of coronavirus, which is between two and three. When they find out that the aeronaut has come down or it is now less than one, transmission is likely to die out. And for the infectivity to decline, something must alter the aeronaut and make it to be less than one. Most times, it's vaccination that does that. It seems a vaccine is our primary hope for getting rid of this virus. But before one is developed, can we expect a decline in the number of cases and when might that be? Just like in other pandemics the world has seen, it comes to a peak. That peak continues uh, until an eventual causes of leading to a decline. Various groups are trying out vaccines, new drug formulations, combination of old drugs and new ones. For now, our hope for a decline still depends on how people adhere to social distancing, self-isolation, quarantine and hospitalization of severe and critical cases. Many are hopeful because it seems, at least in Nigeria, that a lot of people are recovering. Do we know why the recovery rate is high? 
The recovery rate is about 10%, right? That's not bad for a novel virus, but I wouldn't say that's high either. The reasons are still being researched anywhere because we cannot say we have the definitive treatment right now. Different drug regimens are being used on admitted patients and no one regimen can be pinned to the recovery. The symptoms are treated and the virus is being targeted. And I believe that people's immune system play a central role on their recovery as well. Dr. Esther mentioned that vaccination is the way out for us. But can we expect to see a vaccine soon? I spoke to Dr. Rabiat Ahmed Rufai about this. Dr. Rabiat is a public health practitioner and the medical director of Blue Ivy Medical Center, Abuja. As of now, there is no vaccine or treatment for COVID-19. However, there are ongoing clinical trials around the globe, which are showing positive outcomes for some regions. This have to pass through levels of scientific verifications by researchers before they are certified to be used in humans. I'm sure the WHO will make these vaccines and treatments available to everyone as soon as they are available. While we wait for that vaccine to finally make its way to us, I wonder about the unique Nigerian factor and what barriers might slow us down in the fight against COVID-19. What do you think some of these barriers might be? One, there is little or no awareness in the rural areas. Also, the presumed perception of people that only the urban areas are the hotspots and the rural areas are considered low-risk areas. These areas will not practice the aggressive preventive measures put in place by local health authorities. We so much believe in traditional medicine. That is not a bad thing, but if you look at it, some say one substance cures all elements. That is a real concern. The easy access of the population to prescription medications, especially antibiotics and anti-malaria, is really worrisome. With this COVID-19, a lot of individuals are self-medicating at home with whatever they read on social media platforms. Our traditional compassionate care for the very ill and ceremonial care for the dead increases our risks to infectious diseases. And it's also a challenge in breaking the chain of transmission of any infectious diseases. The new and emerging trends of patients hiding their travel history or contact with a positive case This is probably as a result of them not being wanting isolation and the stringent method of barrier nursing. Relatives get little or no information about their loved ones in isolation. Also, easy access to credible and verifiable information. Social media platforms are constantly posting inaccurate information to the public. Mm. Social media really can be a big problem, especially with all the fake information that people share. Is there a simple way to identify fake information about COVID-19? It is absolutely easy to recognize fake information. World Health Organization is the authority on health issues globally. In Nigeria, the Center for Disease Control, under the leadership of the Federal Ministry of Health, is the authority on this pandemic 
Therefore, if there is any information you need to verify, please go on the websites of WHO and NCDC. Self-isolation. Washing your hands on the running water for 20 seconds. Sneezing into a disposable tissue. Keeping your distance from sick people. <coughs> These are all measures we are advised to take seriously to protect ourselves and others from COVID-19. But have you stopped to think that it's a luxury to be able to do these? Think about it. You may be working from home. You have electricity and internet. You can watch TV and wash your hands 50 times a day if you wanted. You probably have a bottle or two of hand sanitizers lying around. But it's easy to forget that there are people who don't have access to running water can't afford to splurge on tissue and hand sanitizers and live in spaces so overcrowded they wouldn't be able to observe social distancing even if they wanted to. According to United Nations figures from 2014, 50.2% of Nigeria's urban population live in slums. What can we do to ensure that all Nigerians, whether they live in the slums or not, might have an equal fighting chance? Here's Dr. Rabiat again. As you rightly pointed out, people living in slum dwellings have poor sanitary habits, no access to running taps, and there is limited space per family. Health education and awareness campaigns should be an immediate priority in this population. Give them the right information, show them the benefit of preventions, and demonstrate how to wash their hands frequently with soap and water, how to practice respiratory hygiene by coughing or sneezing into their flexed elbows, and the importance of avoiding social gatherings. Although the issue of overcrowding will be a challenge to tackle at the moment, but learning from China who built a hospital in a few weeks we should be able to allocate a substantial amount of the donations made by organizations and individuals to provide more toilets, portable water, and soap to this population. These are all achievable goals. But the best strategy is to make sure at all costs that COVID-19 does not get to the slum dwellings of Nigeria. Our best chance is to ensure COVID-19 does not get in the slums. So far, we've seen the effort of the government to contain the virus. For one, the lockdowns and curfews. Also, we know people are being tested and contacts of people confirmed to have the virus are being traced. But is that enough? What more do we need to do? Dr. Rabiat shares her thoughts. We can do more in terms of having more testing centers in the country. The northeast and the northwest, who constitute 61 million people in Nigeria, do not have any active testing center. This is something we have to look into. Health education and awareness campaigns should be made available in different languages for easy understanding of the targeted population. Involvement of key stakeholders or the gatekeepers of our local communities, like the village heads, the community leaders, 
or heads, the traditional rulers of every geographical region in Nigeria will go a long way in disseminating credible information to the populace. We need to carry out aggressive and extensive diagnostic testing. We need to test not just those that are symptomatic. We need to test everybody that has a history of contact with positive cases. Government needs to invest more in healthcare infrastructure. Training and retraining of healthcare workers to increase the quality of healthcare delivery in this country. Strategies should be put in place to reduce the number of healthcare workers looking for greener pastures outside this country. Because as of now, there's gross disparity between the number of healthcare workers to Nigerian population. It stands at 20 healthcare workers to 10,000 Nigerians. I also spoke to Dr. Esther about what she thought we could do better. We need to have a high-end production company focused on medical equipment and materials. Most hospitals are out of face masks, even from the beginning. Ventilators are so few, the personal protective wears and are so not readily available. You know, so we end up exposing our healthcare workers to this risk. We need to have well-equipped ICUs intensive care units and also equip our hospitals at least to a, a reasonable level. Most testing centers which should be with trained response team members. Clearly, there is a lot we need to do as a nation to give ourselves the best possible chance against this virus. I've spoken to a few people about their hopes and fears. While many are optimistic, others are pessimistic. But I'm curious, how do the professionals feel? Here's Dr. Esther again. The healthcare workers are optimistic. Research is ongoing, we believe, and just like other pandemics, this too will soon be history. The major fear is for this not to linger you know, longer than we anticipate. And basically, the doctors, the protective wear and the welfare of health workers, they, they feel that it should be optimized because it takes a lot to see patients physically now that you are not and you are not well protected, you're not wearing the right outfit. It takes a lot. Some doctors are already getting affected while managing this case. It's not only doctors, health care workers, because over 100 healthcare workers have actually died caring for patients with COVID-19 so far. Does Dr. Rabiat feel the same? Usually, I am an optimist, but on the issue of COVID-19, I'll say I'm pessimistic because right now there is a false sense of security by Nigerians due to the low number of cases and mortality compared to other countries. But there is no evidence to explain this phenomenon. We are still not near the end of the pandemic. COVID-19 is real and we're still learning every day about the virus. Therefore, we shouldn't relax in our efforts to break its transmission until researchers provide us with evidence-based explanation of why we have low numbers compared to other Western countries. Let us not be complacent. On a final note, I asked Dr. Esther when she thought the pandemic might end. The best we can do now is to be hopeful, believing that we will soon have the vaccine and treatment regimen that is specific for this coronavirus. No one can actually answer this is the one this pandemic is going to end. And there you have it. 
The question of when is a difficult one to answer, but as to the question of how the COVID-19 pandemic will end, we are well beyond the stage of guessing. Around the world, experts are using all the tools at their disposal to ensure that treatments and, most importantly, a vaccine is developed on time. Does this mean we can relax? Of course not. Until we get that vaccine, you, me, our loved ones, all of us are still at risk. Our best chance is to follow the advice of the government and health professionals. Have you or anyone you know gone the extra mile to help others stay safe from coronavirus? What else do you think we need to do to protect ourselves? We'd like to hear from you. Send us a message via Twitter or Instagram. On Twitter, we are at IAC underscore podcast. And on Instagram, we are at I am change podcast. Don't forget to share this podcast with your friends. Please rate and review IAC podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen to podcasts. That way, more people can find us. Until the next episode, continue to be the change you want to see and stay safe.